0: Well, hello, it's Clive Carle, and I'm very, very happy to be joined by Kerry Rivera. And the questions that I have for Kerry today are, if you were an autistic parent, an autistic mom, for instance, what are the 10 most important things you need to know? Kerry, you're the expert.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Clive. And I'm really glad that we can talk about this, because I know 20 years ago when my son, almost to the day, was diagnosed the 12th of March twenty. 20- So it was almost 20 years to the day that my son was diagnosed and there was really no information. Again, 20 years ago, we didn't have the internet and there wasn't so much sharing of information as there is today. So, you know, where do you start? What's the most important thing? And hands down, the most important thing that you're going to do, it doesn't matter how much money you spend, it's going to be the diet we overlook the diet all the time. I mean, I was just listening to Dr. Ken Berry. He's talking about carnivore diet. And so I happened to be listening to a a YouTube video. I was waiting for this interview today. And, you know, he's talking about, you don't need ozone machines. You don't need all these supplements. You don't need joint replacement. You need diet. And it's so often the case, whether it's gut, it's, it's, it's inflammatory joint, it's brain, you know, it's all about what are you eating? What are you putting into your body? So, I would say that's like the single most important thing that you can do is get a really clean diet. And people say, I hear this from a lot of people, oh, my kid's eating a whole food diet. And, and when you sit and listen to them, there's rice, there's potatoes, there's grains, there's, you know, okay, maybe there's no wheat, but there's every other thing under the sun. And we have to keep in mind, you know, people say, yeah, but fruit is good for you. Well, I guess we have to start figuring out like, why is it good for you? And who are you? What are your symptoms, you know? So if you have any inflammatory issues, sugar's inflammatory. And yeah, fructose is sugar. Uh, So you want to try to pull that back. And then there's people like my child who, when he was diagnosed, he only ate wheat, dairy, and potato. That was like, that's what his diet consisted of. He didn't eat fruit. He didn't eat vegetables. You know, nuts and seeds didn't do that. So his diet was horrible. And of course, if you didn't, if he didn't eat those things, he was crying. So I put him on basically a potato diet. And of course, come to find out, like the book by Dr. Russell Blaylock called Excitotoxin, The Taste That Kills. What I didn't realize that I did was I put them on an excitotoxin-free diet because potatoes don't have glutamate. And of course, glutamate is really high or the highest in wheat, dairy, and corn, among many other foods that are high in glutamate. Naturally, uh, natural foods, you know, like a tomato out of your garden. But if you're a kid with autism, the last thing you want to be doing is consuming anything like a tomato or an orange, or a broccoli, and these are all foods that we sell, these are really healthy. So like I said, what happened with my son was I just took out everything that was wheat and dairy, which was everything he was eating, and the only thing left was a potato. So I'm not recommending people go to a potato diet, but if you have to, do an ex- you know, an exclusion diet, take out all the offending foods. As long as they eat one to five other f- foods a day, you're fine. And my child is probably one of the few that I've ever seen to have such a horrible diet by the time he did get diagnosed at three and a half years of age so that most of the kids are eating several foods that are permitted, or we can do foods that are similar. Like um, for example, not everybody eats pork, but people that eat pork, most kids would be happy to receive uh, bacon, of course, chemical free, nitrate free, antibiotic free, organic bacon. Most kids would be up for that, for example, or uh pork rinds. They're pretty much gonna be up for that. So it does depend, you know, on also being a little bit creative. Like my kid was a crunchy food kid. So like those would be fine for him. I didn't know this back in the day, but um, now, of course, I'm I'm all, I think carnivore is just the bomb. I mean, the kids do so amazing. And the more that I listen to these carnivore doctors, you realize that the red meat is really helping with the gut biome. So the microbiome in the gut is getting healthier because of the red meat. And then people say, well, can they have chicken? And yeah, those are, okay, those are also fitting in. But we have to think to ourselves, you know, it, like if a kid is really just eating chicken and fish, then you have to add fats to that, you know, get in some animal fats with that. But the red meat is definitely definitely the king of of the diet chain so that would be ideal for us but but diet is it's not everything but it's probably 50% of the battle once you clean up the diet and again like i said when we talk about oh no my kid is eating whole grain whole food you know we're, we're organic you know an organic tomato is problematic as well as the regular tomato because of the glutamate in it, for example, or, you know, or corn, you know, it still has the glutamate. So we have to look at these kinds of foods and then the foods that are left, you have to also think to yourself, okay, well, well, maybe uh, quinoa, and rice don't have any glutamate in them, for example, so they would be considered you know, gluten-free and you could have those, but they're extremely high in carbohydrates. So what is a carbohydrate in the body? It's a sugar. What is a sugar? Do it feeds candida, feeds parasites. It, uh, it, it encourages inflammation in the body. So, you know, we have inflammation. That's why there's a speech issue. There's gut issues. There's inflammation in the gut, the brain, the body. So we need to get all that down. So the, how do we do it? By really cleaning up the diet, you know, really, truly cleaning up the diet. And then people say, yeah, my kid won't eat meat. And, you know, that's too extreme. Um, I would argue for the child because the child can't do that. And that's basically what I do, try to convince people Parents that they need to do this for their child, and if you think oh, I can't do it, try it for 30 days. Everybody can do 30 days something. You know, you can do give up anything for 30 days. You know, at least 15 days, right? Um, so that I think is the most important thing that we consider. Uh, doing these these really strict diets for a period of time. And then I use something called the ATEC score. It stands for Autism Treatment Evaluation Checklist. It's free to do. And and there's about 30 different languages that it's in. And it's at autism.org. It's free. So you could do it every day if you wanted. But I I recommend people doing it every 90 days. So whenever you're going to start something, whether it's a new diet or a different diet or a supplement or whatever it is that you're going to do, Make sure that you're doing your ATEC before and after so that you really understand that your efforts did pay off. It wasn't just stressful. And, and again, the other thing that I think is important is to take the kids out, get them away. And this is another thing. Get them off the TV. Forget about, you know, all the iPad, all the computers, all the cell phones, TVs, all the screen time is not healthy for the brain, especially not a developing brain. So if you have the, uh, the opportunity to take in you know, and of course, people are like, yeah, but I have to do my house chores, I have to cook, I have to clean, I have all these things to do, let the kid wander around, there's, of course, there's going to be toys laying around, let the child want, okay, my child doesn't play the toys, so what? That's all there is. The TV's off. Computers are off. You know, It's better that they wander around or get them to fold something. Oh, my child won't fold. Then show them. And then you keep folding, for example, or whatever the situation is. Help me throw this into the laundry machine. You know, Keep some at least present. Have them doing household chores with you instead of being uh, glued to a TV screen or any kind of a screen. It doesn't have to be just a TV screen. But these are really bad for the brain. Things that were not talked about, like diet was never really emphasized 20 years ago. I mean, they were talking about gluten-free, casein-free, but as you know, gluten and casein are not in Coca-Cola. Gluten and casein are not in other foods that are not good for you. So by just saying, I'm going to take the gluten and casein out and all of a sudden things are going to get better, they don't. And I used to have a clinic in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico back in 2006 to 2012 and I didn't know these things back then. So I was sharing files from like Autism Research Institute and other doctors in the States on diet and stuff like that. And so parents in Mexico were going from like a wheat and dairy based diet to like a heavy corn diet. Well, corn is full of gly- uh, well, glyphosate also, but a glutamate. So you have a lot of different factors. So you got the you got the glyphosate, which is a problem because it destroys your gut flora. And then you have the glutamate, which destroys the brain. And, and people say, well, how does, how does glutamate get to the brain to destroy the neurons with the excitotoxic uh, chemical? And it does because we have a leaky gut. Whenever there's an autism diagnosis, there's a leaky gut. So we want to make sure That we are able to uh, avoid the things going to the brain that are going to cause more problems. So, anything inflammatory is going to be a problem. And of course, uh, glutamate, like Dr. Russell Blalock said in his 1997 book, Excitotoxin Taste It Kills, that glutamate excites neurons to death. So, we have to, we have to like, stop that immediately. And that's where we go into like, um, not just wheat, dairy, corn, et cetera, but tomatoes and broccoli and citrus, et cetera, et cetera. So many of these like, you know, considered healthy foods for children on the autism spectrum are really very problematic and, and can also put at risk the potential for healing ever. You know, the the sooner you get started on a really serious diet, the better off you are. And like I said, I've been, you know, people have said, oh, you're, well, they don't say it to me directly, but they've, you know, on the internet, I have uh, assistants and stuff and they'll be like, oh yeah, but her diet, her her protocol is so extreme. I think autism is extreme because if you don't get it early, you're going to lose. And then people say, "But, but is there really this window of opportunity where my child will get better or not get better? I've seen kids lose their autism diagnosis between 15 and 23. I've seen it. But, you know, that's really few and far between. The majority of the children who are actually having a turnaround, is happening usually before the age of nine. And usually before we go into like this pre-puberty as they call it at the age of nine. So it is something to consider that time is of the essence and the best thing that you can do is uh you know get it early so the more diligence that you can be the earlier the better chance you have and that's why you know i'd never want a parent to, you know i'd never want a parent to live the things that i lived i remember working with some of these practitioners back in the day these doctors from the states and they would you know say oh well yeah i didn't know that you could do that or i didn't know that was a possibility or, or i mean this is my child there's nothing i wouldn't do for my child so why would you have limited me on my knowledge or my information that you were going to give to me i was already paying you so you should tell me everything I need to know to make my child better, but, you know, they just kind of didn't get into that one. So, and the other thing that I think is also important, and I'm thinking these are probably three things, but um, lab testing, lab testing is just a little blip of what things look like today. And I was just listening to Dr. Sean Baker, and he was talking about like anything gut related. So everybody who has gut problems, whether it's IBS or Crohn's or autism and autism autism enterocolitis. So what these all of these kind of things, you can't really see them so much in a lab. You know, they might come back with inflammatory markers or some pathogens or something like that. But you're going to have far more symptoms. So it's better to treat the symptoms. And of course, one of the best things that we can do for any symptom of Gut problems is to change the diet. And that's why, once again, it's either low glutamate. And then, of course, once we go to low glutamate, then I really want to push that the parents will take the kids all the way to carnivores. Carnivores just, the results are so fantastic. You know, people say, yeah, but I, you know, we're vegetarians. And I work with a lot of families in India, for example, and there's a lot of vegetarians there. And that's a, you know, that's a a religion, I guess. Um, So you can't change it. But what you can do in that case is increase fat. MCTC eight oil that will work, for example, or just using more of like ghee, for example. Those are also good, you know, good fats, you know, for taking down inflammation in the body. But you know, if if people are eating animal protein, I just like to emphasize on that, and then do it again, like do your ATEC score when you start, then redo that ATEC score. you know, 14, 30, 90, 120 days later, and really watch and see how that has benefited your child. It doesn't mean that you won't do supplements or other things, which we're not going to get into today, but uh, the diet is so incredibly important. And then don't worry that when you do a lab test and it says, oh, you don't have any parasites or you don't have any of this, assume you have everything. Assume you have every pathogen and all the inflammation that you can imagine and then start treating based on that. And again, step number one is always going to be diet.
0: And you were talking about red meat. Do, do you count pork as red meat?
1: Well, bacon is something really cool. And and I, I personally am not really a, a, not a pig eater, just not. Uh, I don't really like it, never really did. Uh, but But pork, especially bacon, it's kind of like the perfect carnivore keto because carnivore is perfect keto let's just say, it. because of course, keto is low carb and carnivore is zero carb. So actually the most perfect keto is going to be carnivore. So they're really kind of talking about one and the same and just one is better than the other. But bacon, for example, and we're talking about organic, no nitrates, no chemicals, antibiotic free. This is a fantastic food. And I've watched some kids only eat bacon for a period of like two, three, four, five months and watch this atex score plummet and children begin to get speech again. So I guess it just depends uh, on the family. And pork rinds, for example, in the carnivore diet, if you put the pork rinds into the blender and you blend it for about 10 seconds, you literally get what's called panko, and it's just pork rind flour. So if you want to make chicken nuggets or something, you just drag your chicken tenders through the, the egg wash and then plop them into your pork rind flour and fry them in any oil whether it's ghee or lard or duck fat or any you know the animal fats then you have these great chicken nuggets that are crunchy and the kids love
0: them so i've noticed at first i noticed it with the vegans and then the raw vegans that the people who are proselytizing it the ones really standing up and saying the only way is raw vegan or whatever it is yes. and the same with carnivore a lot of the people who were known at the beginning have changed their diet after years generally to a more balanced diet. Would you say that 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 seems to be the pattern?
1: With the carnivore people switching to vegetables or the vegans switching over to carnivore?
0: Uh, uh, Both actually, I've noticed just recently a couple of the uh, carnivore uh, people have said that they're not as carnivore as they were.
1: Well, I think you can be in and, and this is, I think, across the board and well, like, for example, Dr. Sean Baker, who wrote the carnivore diet, he lives and dies by the sword. I mean, the guy is eating like a tomahawk steak every day and you can watch him eat and oh, my God, it looks amazing. But um, he's still doing that. He feels great. He's a world-class athlete. I think he's like my age, like 57, 58. And uh, he's in tip-top shape. And I think he's been carnivore six, seven years. Then there's Dr. Um, Robert Kilt, great guy, OBGYN, fertility specialist. And he's been carnivore, I want to say, 12, 13 years. Now, he says maybe once a month or so. He might have a fried potato because he said that the potato, since it doesn't have the fiber and it's it's a it's a it's a starch, so it gets used up in the upper part of the intestine that doesn't go and like you know put fiber into the the lower intestine or the large intestine, for example. And then he sometimes makes like a um, he whips up cream. This is stuff that you can see on his website, drkilds.com. He whips up cream and he eats that kind of like it was ice cream, probably like you know. Once every couple of months, like he mostly just always eats meat, but he does have a couple of things that he will, and it's, you know, it's, it's still really marginal, but this way I think that he's been able to go such a long time. So it kind of depends on the person. Now, I also feel that once you've gotten the results that you need, you're probably going to stay mostly carnivore, but it doesn't mean that you won't have some other things from time to time, or even, you know, once a day or whatever, uh you know, like for example, I know that I do I I've been doing this, you know, 2023, late 2023. I started really mostly carnivore because had some gut issues going on. And I feel fantastic. I, I mean I can count on my gut, I can feel really good, but it doesn't mean like I my my best friend came over and she had a couple glasses of wine with me and my husband the other day, last week actually. And fine. Like that's a carnivore, but that was fine. You know, and I also think that we have to enjoy our lives a little bit too. So maybe, you know, you go out for dinner, you go to somebody's house and they have something that you're like, Oh, that looks really good. So you have it, you don't make a big deal out of it. Um, now I was just, uh, on a trip also two weeks ago. At, yeah, we met with her because she, she was, at, we were out of town. When we came back, uh, we were out of town and we were. Um, traveling in Europe a little bit. And of course, in Europe, you guys have like all this really good bread. So I got involved in some bread, which I usually don't, but I really didn't, my gut didn't feel good. And then when I came home and I could eat again, how I usually eat, it was like, oh, I just feel so good. Like you could rest better, you could think better. So uh, it doesn't mean that you can't have breaks. And it doesn't mean that you have to always eat that way. But again, you like for me, I had that, you know, like that 10 days where I was kind of sketchy, you know, because we were gone. But We'll come right back to it. And even I got on the scale this morning, and I'm the same weight I was before I went on that trip to the breadland, you know, so I, I do think that we have to, again, if you have IBS or Crohn's, or you have like, you know, uh, major food allergies, you have autism, you have these kind of things, you have to be good all the time until you heal seal. And of course, you're probably doing maybe some maker black seed or something like that, which really helps to seal the gut. So one of the problems that you know, the why we have to really be careful with the diet as well is because of that leaky gut. So if we can seal the leaky gut, then a lot of this stuff will just go one, you know, end to end. And then there, you know, probiotics and capsules are not good, prebiotics are not good. So you have to kind of pick and choose what you're doing. Um, you know, and I think there are some that are better than others. And when it comes to autism, I would never use them in the beginning, for example. But I do think that uh You don't have to be as strict once you get your desired results, unless, of course, you know, like these doctors that are probably indefinitely going to be carnivore. Well, why would you do it any other way? And then somebody, I I think it was Dr. Baker, was interviewing a rancher from the U.S., and she's, I think, 65 years old, and she's been carnivore, or maybe she's older than that. She's maybe been a rancher 65 years, and she's been a carnivore 65 years, something like that. So she's older, but she's been carnivore her whole life. So- You know, it's, it's a lifestyle in some cases. And then, you know, I, I just, yeah, my personal situation is different. I use it mostly all the time. And then there's the occasion, like I said, you know, I'm out of town or a friend comes over, I go to a friend's house, and then maybe they put a little bit of food out and you kind of pick you know, maybe you you pick the most carnivore thing, even though it might be like a you know a charcuterie board, which has like cold cuts. And maybe you grab a few of those because you know you have to. But that you know it. You, how do you feel? That's the most important thing. And then, of course, when it comes to children, especially on the autism spectrum, you have to do it till they get so recovered or you know so much better. They're like, "Mom, I want that pizza," and you're like, "Okay, I'll make a keto pizza or something like." You know what I mean? So. You want to do it until you really don't have control anymore because the ultimate food, I think, is that wedding cake. You know, it's got wheat, it's got dairy. So this little four-year-old kid is not going to mind if, in fact, he really doesn't get that cake at that birthday party, even though he cries and he wants it, maybe to avoid those parties for a while or bring an alternative type of a cake or something like that. But the ultimate goal is that they are able to get back on track you know, they got derailed, get back on track. And then in their 20s, early 30s, whatever, that they find a partner they can't live without. And they've got this wonderful three-tiered wedding cake that they're sharing. You know, I think that we need to look at the long-term goal because autism is a long-term problem if we don't get it sooner. And then people say, oh, autism's a blessing. And that's a whole nother argument. But um, most people that I know would say that their child was not born. Autistic, and then something happened, and so by the age of two, they, between two and three, they're typically diagnosed with autism, and then you've got all kinds of situations going on. Which, like I said, you know, we can start with diet, and I wish somebody would have told me how incredibly important the diet was. Even though I was doing diet, I was still doing these, you know, like gluten-free breads and stuff like that that had a whole host of other things that that you know are not ideal. But as far as doing carnivore or keto for life, I think. Once you feel better and you come from hell, you know, with food allergies or whatever, then you say, oh, no, I want to just feel good. I, I don't want to eat that because that could bring me something else. Even though if you start to tolerate it, then you probably just wouldn't eat it as often because you know how you how much better you feel and why you feel better.
0: So, you know, for, for your son, for instance, transitioning to meat might have been pretty difficult. You must have sort of now learned some tricks as to how to transition. Uh, you know, children who don't want to eat the meat to it. What what would you suggest? Yeah.
1: Well, you need to know as the child, like a, a soft food person or a hard food person. Like my kid was a crunchy food guy. So making like, um, we used to make what looked like Frisbees and it was just putting the chicken breast into the food processor and then making them kind of into ball patties. And then we put them into the tortilla press with obviously that parchment paper in there so it doesn't stick. Then they would come out really, you know, Don't put any fat or any egg because if you put egg, they get like spongy, which is disgusting. And then you have your hot oil going, whether it's ghee or lard or whatever oil you want. somebody uses coconut oil, it doesn't make a difference. It wouldn't be carnivore then, so we try to go with the animal fats. And then lay it in there. And so it's really dancing in the oil. And then as it starts to turn brown in the middle on the upper side, then flip it. Because if you start flipping it around, it's going to fall to a million pieces. And then the next time you turn it, you're taking it out and then you just let it dry. And they're, they're, they're like Frisbees. They're, they're crunchy hard, like a chip. They're about that big. And then just make those, over and over again. That was what Patrick was kind of surviving on for a long time. He just loved them. And of course, I didn't know about carnivore back in the day, but that is an option. So if you've got a kid that likes crispy stuff, fry it, do bacon, do these, these, these Frisbees, you know, whatever. And then you've got the kids that like the mushy stuff. So I also, which is really cool if the kids like the mushy stuff, because you don't have to do anything. You just put anything in it you want to. So you can literally do like a brisket um, you can leave it in like one of those uh, crock pots, those, you know, those, those slow cookers, for example, then you can blend it in the blender or with one of those, you know, hand blenders, you can blend it. And of course, that you just make sure that you put some of the fat that you know, the drippings, as they say, and that's like perfect carnivore. So it comes down to textures with them as well. So if you can, you know, you, they want it crunchy, make it crunchy. Um, and if they don't do any, like some people like, well, my kid doesn't eat eggs. Okay, it doesn't matter. They don't have to eat eggs. That's not doesn't matter. But Or my kid doesn't eat beef. Okay, my kid doesn't like red meat, for example. Then what animal proteins does the child like? And almost all of them, almost, there's some that they eat. And then it's just a matter of putting more fat with it. And then, you know, it's about giving it more often and then making the other things, you know, kind of – offer the other things less and less until eventually we have that complete switchover. Because even if you're over 50% carnivore, 60, 70, 80% carnivore, for example, and there's, so I have some families that like, when the kids go to school, they send one apple. You know, they give them a piece of chicken or, or a piece of beef or whatever, and then one apple. So they're carbohydrate, which is 35 carbs, which is, you know, now you're no longer really even ketogenic. But, for example, that's the one place where they were having a hard time getting rid of the, the carbohydrate, for example. or that. So, But when they're in the house, they're 100% carnivore. So, I mean, it's still a win win situation because we're still, you know, percentage wise, we're still closer to carnivore. And then, you know, maybe like on the weekends, oh, I didn't go shopping. I didn't get an apple. I don't have any fruit in the house. Perfect, 100% carnivore. So, little by little, you get there. And I'm the same way. And I don't hold, you know, I don't hold myself, you know, like, you know, like, oh, you have to. Yeah, most days I am. But then there's the occasional like, too bad, not going to happen. Like my birthday's on Sunday, probably going to get involved in stuff that is not carnivore. So, but and it's the same with the kids. Like you have to pick and choose your battles. For example, my son, um, like over the holidays when we would be with family, there would be all kinds of food, uh, Available for everybody. So what I would do is I would buy him these little bags of chips, you guys call them crisps, I think that those little bags of of chips. And so he would be really excited about that. So like everybody's eating, you know, I don't know, bread with their food, or they're having some kind of a bread for dessert or whatever open his thing and he'd be there. And and, and, and you know, I'd get him away from where the food was or when people were eating, take him outside or take him for a walk or whatever, just because it wasn't right in his face, for example. But that's, those are just different options for, you know, lifesavers, I would say, you know, because it's it, holidays are not every day, you know, or birthdays are not every day. When we do those, we still stay low glutamate. So your worst day is never worse than low glutamate. But again, it comes down to those textures. And if you have the kids that like the crunchies, then, you know, fine. And I have get I have received the, the the occasional child who doesn't eat any meat because they don't like the flavor. Like the, they, the, the parents have tried and they say, no, I mean, I've offered this and that and my child really prefers. And then you usually see the diet and it's like lots of fruit, you know, lots of like carrot, you know, all the sugary fruits and vegetables. So that's a little bit more challenging. And in that case, just increase the fat to the point where they're getting you know, really good fats, they're satiated from the fats, so they'll choose these high carb foods less often.
0: I was thinking with the child presented with the cake, uh, you could obviously give them choices. You could say, well, you could eat it, or you could show them the video where, where Bill Gates gets a cake in the face, there are other things you can do with the cakes.
1: There are other things you can do with
0: the cakes. Okay, so um, where from now? Um, what uh, what what other suggestions have you got that we haven't discussed?
1: Mm, yeah, I think read my book is good, but I, I really believe also that the road to recovery has to do with the road most successful so there's no sense in trying to forge your own way when there's been people that have had and i'm going to be very careful with my words because you know i'm under scrutiny it's very important if you want to get the results that we desire which would be a full remission of the diagnosis so why not follow those testimonies of parents that have had that a great blessing, so to speak, uh, in their life. You know, they they wanted that, of course, because we have our children that are born fine. They have this total typical development for a period of time. Then they fall off and you're like, Why is my kid not talking anymore? Why is my child not looking at me anymore? Why can't my child sleep at night? What's with this diarrhea? You know, so all of these things start to happen, but the child was not like that the first 12 to 18 months of life. And then something starts to change. And we're not going to get into the details of that because, again, scrutiny. But when it comes to how do you go about it, like I said, you know, wish somebody would have told me how important diet is and then which diet and what foods and that kind of stuff, because now we're in 2024. So there are a lot more. There's a lot more information out there that we can you know, really rapidly get into the right path. Try to find the things that are giving the other parents the results that we're all looking for. So not just diet, but there are other supplements we can say or other interventions that do give good results.
0: So over the years, um, I've had a few people with autistic children who have got angry with me because... I'm suggesting that it might be, you know, the the reasons that we can't speak about. And they can sometimes get very, very defensive and say, no, it has nothing to do with that procedure. Uh, It's natural. You're uh, being unkind and unfair to my child because, you know, so so the way I see it, I look at their child and think, well, actually, that child isn't as happy and as um, productive, let's say, as, as he or she could be. Right, so, but they seem to look at their child that, that I feel is perhaps you know damaged uh, as normal and I've not been able to get through to those people to suggest that actually why not just try it it might you know because they won't I, I think it's perhaps the guilt or shame about having had the procedure done given in the first place and they can't face you know mm-hmm. got any answers to that one
1: um, well, I, I believe that everybody has a destiny, you know, and I think that that for some people, it is to find solutions and do these things. And then there's for other people that is just, you know, they say acceptance and okay, it is the how it is. Maybe they're right. But for them, they are right. And for us, we are too. And of course, um, the proof is in the pudding. To watch the children get better and you know start to look like they did before they had the derailment between eighteen and twenty-four months of age. You know, my my child, I, I told you about the potatoes, uh, he had he had gone from a child who had about a hundred words around twelve months of age to a child at two and a half that was totally nonverbal. Uh, what happens? That's not a normal development, uh, considering you know he was born fine. He doesn't have a di- didn't have a diagnosis of anything. Everything was perfect. Apgar was perfect. Child was perfect. Um, and then, you know, these things started to happen. Uh, changes started to happen that were not desirable. And then, like I said, I put him on these potatoes. Well, I took everything else out. So I was left with the potatoes and uh, three days of potatoes only. And he started to say words again. So you say, oh, you know, wow, what does this mean? You know? Well, well, yeah, this is great. This is important. And like I said, I mean, I wish I would have known then, what really the diet should have been. So I mean, we could have probably gotten you know even further along faster. But that point being is, it, for me, there would never be an option not to do something, to be proactive. Um, somebody I love dearly uh, was diagnosed with a, a type of a cancer. And that person also was immediately like, let's do alternative stuff. And of course, three years later, thankfully, everything's still fine everything is still fine. So, you know, and again, again, at an, an, an advanced age too, with everything just staying status quo, which is fantastic, you know, there's been no change. I mean, of course, it's, it's very low. We got it really early. But, but still, the point being is there are people that would just be like, oh, no, no, I need to go right into chemo radiation. I need to go right into some sort of a, you know, a mainstream uh, type of a hospital. And I want to get, you know, everything that they can give me. So everybody has different ways of seeing, things or doing things you know and there's some of us that would rather stave off these future problems by doing things like you know your gallbladder flush uh suppositories or these kind of things you know so like i can get to the end of my road more intact you know all, we can't stay everyone's gonna die so okay we're gonna die but like what shape am i gonna be in when i'm when i'm going you know you want to be like on your feet you know till the end I, yeah.
0: I I've had it suggested that on your dying day, you should do a few basic things like have a nice meal, have sex, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you should be able but, to do those things.
0: Well, one would, one would hope so. So uh, getting back to the children, let's say your child is in single digit age, you know, under nine, uh, and you do what you've suggested. In your experience, what percentage of children will benefit and what percentage might they benefit by on, on, on average?
1: Well, I would say probably, uh, cause we can never say every, so let's go with, I believe 99% of the kids will benefit. And then I believe that probably somewhere between five and 10% could have that, you know, full, full uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, remission, um, remission of symptoms. So, and again, it depends, you know, are you giving the right diet? Was this the right intervention? You know, were those supplements the correct ones were, you know, because when I look back at at my son's uh, story, my, my son is 23 now. So when I look back at his story, I think about all the idiots that I've met along the way that took tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars out of, out of our pockets only to, at the end of the day, have really marginal improvements. So I, I do think that, that there's a, there's some, you know, god blessing, blessing, uh, luck, don't know what you want to call it, and it doesn't make a difference because at the, same, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, some people are able to get the right answer the first time and the child just responds phenomenally, you know? And then there's the other people like me who had to walk that long, long, long journey and just kind of, you know, meeting every, you know, every... You know, wolf with a cape along the way. So I, it just, and then you got to figure it out yourself. And so sometimes we have to do that. But yeah, as far as uh, those kind of situations are concerned, some people get really, really blessed. And of course, the children, you know, like we cannot really know how badly the brain is damaged we can't know because there can be brain damage and especially in these these situations because you have you know in, inflammation in the brain and inflammation in the gut and these are all things that are not too good there's a, a doctor his name is dr Goodenow, and he's talking right now about the glia cells so he's got some really interesting information i think his website's like dr but he's got i mean one of the few people that are talking about some of the big stuff that's happening in autism because it's an immune response and you know how do you stop that well the fats are really important the brain fats and those are really important things
0: so again getting back to the average child of nine or under um if five or ten percent have a complete remission where do the others get to generally
1: better they get better so how what does better look like wow that means you're sleeping through the night you're having formed stools you're able to bathe yourself dress yourself um, understand uh, commands. Understand conversations. Understand, you know, when you have to wait in line at TSA, or you have to, you know, sit at a restaurant and wait for the food to come. You're not running back and forth, and this kind of thing. So one thing is where you pretty much can't leave the house because there's a time when many of us had where. Really couldn't leave the house. We were just not ready for prime time at all. And then you get to the point where like, there's nothing you can't do. The only thing is that usually maybe there's some, uh, it depends on the child because some of the kids I work with, for example, uh, they are verbal, but they're missing some of the logic they're missing some of the cognition and things of this nature then some of the kids are nonverbal or or mostly nonverbal doesn't mean that they can't speak but they tend not to speak and they definitely don't speak conversationally but if those kids even if we can't get them to where they are conversational or or you know or the diagnosis has gone into remission at least Sleeping through the night, happy, enjoying life, maybe riding a bike, swimming, uh, maybe going to school, studying, uh, having some friends, you know, even maybe they're socially awkward, but being around other people their own age, their peers, uh, brings them joy. And again, they can sleep through the night. They have no issues with the bathrooming. They're not in diapers. They're not having seizures. Uh, They can, like I said, bathe themselves, dress themselves, feed themselves. So there's a lot of things. And, and some kids they're always high functioning you know so those kids typically do quite well if the parents you know nailed the first time around you can get out of that even faster
0: what percentage of kids will get to that point
1: the the the, the kids who have the full remission I I think is somewhere between five and ten percent
0: and so so what you've just described is that full, full remission or what what's i mean what could- well, full
1: remission go is is a child like every other child on the playground yeah. those are so- like the typical children we don't want to say normal they're just typical children so we take a child who has a diagnosis of autism which typically is nonverbal or preverbal or barely verbal or they're able to just request what they want like i want water you know or something like that but they're not actually able to socialize interact com- or converse and then many of the kids have constipation or diarrhea they don't sleep well or they, you know, they get up every night or just some nights. Uh, some of them have really big behavioral issues, you know, whether it's aggressive towards others, aggressive to themselves. And and I, and I think that one of the big key pieces is mostly their, their speech is affected. So now get rid of all those things that I just said. And you have a fellow or a gal who look just like everybody else on the school play lot that's the goal. And I think that those, that, that happens probably five to 10% of the time. And I don't keep stats. So I don't really know, but like I said, you know, probably 99% of the kids do get better. And then of course, if you continue to do the right thing, you have that chance to slip into the group where they, you know, have a full remission of the prior symptoms. And then those other kids in between, like I said, you know, okay, maybe they're still nonverbal or preverbal or just able to, you know, say short sentences, but if they're sleeping through the night, they're happy, they're not in pain, their bowels look good, you know, they're not waking up in the middle of the night screaming their head off because they're in pain, for example. You know, once you get where the gut is good, maybe the brain is still damaged, you know, but how much can you recover of the of the Functionality of the person, and and usually you can quite a bit, especially if you're you know a family that's very proactive, not just on the inside but therapies as well. So there's you know therapies like ABA, which is a a, a behavioral therapy. It's fantastic, and in the states they do it like they give the kids MMM, MMs and they give them Skittles and all kinds of junk food. So that's not the idea because Dr. Ivar Lovas, who created the ABA, I think about forty years ago now, his son is still doing it. Um, their training. So there's a lot of people in the world doing uh, applied behavioral analysis uh, therapy, but it's really good because it's real life. Like, you know, Clive, when we were kids and you know, somebody gave us a gift, our mothers would be like, say thank you. And you'd be like, thank you. And then your aunt would be like, oh, you're welcome, my dear. You know, and they'd be like, oh, she liked that I said thank you. So then, you know, the rest of our lives, we learned at a very young age to say thank you for things that we were grateful for getting. And even sometimes you didn't want it. You're still like, thank you. Cause they gave it to you as a gift. So you knew you had to say thank you. But this is, this is behavioral therapy or you got to go on the airplane. You got to stand that TSA line. You cannot run back and forth. You cannot jump up and down. You cannot swear at the people. You have to just stand there and take it. Well, this is how real life is. You go to the grocery store, you're standing in line, go to the bank, you're standing in line. And most of us moms, most of us are with our kids. It doesn't mean dads don't do it as well, but typically- We're going to the store, we're going to the bank line, and our kids are typically with us. You know, they were either at school or therapy and we got to go run an errand and this kind of stuff. They have to learn how to be able to do that. You cannot, you know, in a restaurant, jump up and down, run back and forth, can't do this. So maybe you got to be an hour and a half or two hours at a restaurant with your family. You have to be sitting down and behaving they learn how to do that. And there's therapies for these things as well. So you're changing the inside so the person is less jumpy or less whatever, less loud. And then of course, on the outside, we're doing therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, sunrise therapy, RPM. Uh, ABA so uh, oh my gosh RDI floor time so there's a lot of different ones out there and I think it depends on what kind of family you are like my best friend for example, they did Sunrise which is more of a join your kid run back and forth and do all the things like that. Um, I really preferred the ABA because it's behavioral therapy which is how real life is. You know, you can't just like right now, if you wanted to, you're like kind of bored by the conversation. You can't just get up and run around while I'm talking. It just can't happen. Or me, I can't just start bouncing on my yoga ball chair that I'm sitting on. I have to just sit here patiently, quietly or or talking or whatever. But these are all things that they're learned behaviors, how how you act. And that's exactly what these, these uh, behavioral therapies are. So there's quite a bit of work that goes into molding and uh, putting this diagnosis into remission. There's quite a bit of things, but there's a lot of options and there's a lot of stuff out there now.
0: And healing the gut, um, what would be your favorite? Uh, Well, what I was thinking about was probiotics and what, did you recommend probiotic foods in any way or not at all?
1: Not at all. So majority of the kids with the autism diagnosis right now have also what's called PANDAS. It's pediatric autoimmune neurodisorder associated with streptococcal infections. So streptococcus is a bacteria and this bacteria is in the blood. And in the gut, it's not just in the throat. So people say, well, I went and did a th- throat swab and nothing was wrong. And even when you do a blood test, you will not always find it. And even if you do a sampling, whichever way you want to go into the gut and you want to take a few little samples of the gut, you might not find it because it's not necessarily co- continuous, but you can see it in the, in the symptoms. So you're going to see um, OCD behaviors, sometimes ear covering, sometimes hugging too tight or pinching or pushing or yelling or hitting or hitting it oneself. So there's a lot of different things. Uh, Pico just putting stuff And Anyway, there's a lot of different symptoms of it, but uh, pandas is also complicating autism now. It wasn't like that 20 years ago. It it was very different. Uh, But now it's pretty much consistent. And if you give a child who has pandas, which like I said, the autism diagnosis, like probably 90% of the kids diagnosed with autism also have the strep bacteria. And if you give a prebiotic, if you give a probiotic, if you give probiotic foods, the kids do worse. So the theory that probiotics are good for you, it, it depends who you are and what's wrong with you. So some of us, it's great, no problem, excellent. But others of us, like the kids that have the pandas, you will do much more harm than good by giving them probiotic foods or a probiotic or prebiotic before they're ready. So let's say um, this ATEC I talked about at autism.org where it's kind of a diagnostic tool. Let's say the ATEC gets around 10, which zero is fully uh, you know, remission. Let's say the ATEC gets around 10. The kid's looking like everybody else, like really fantastic. Just have a few little details, you know? You might want to try a probiotic or probiotic foods as you say uh and just see you know do three four days kind of see how that is if everything looks copacetic yeah go ahead keep it um and then there was a mom who told me years ago her daughter recovered from pandas actually she didn't have autism but she was in one of the facebook groups facebook took my account so don't worry about that but anyway um she she was the mom she chimed in one day and said I mean, that her daughter was recovered, she was fine, but uh, that her daughter never tolerated. Still, even though she was c- considered to have a, a, her diagnosis in remission, that she couldn't tolerate probiotics or probiotic foods or prebiotics for that matter. So, I think that there's probably at this point going to be certain people that that's not really indicated for, and then there's a certain point where maybe it is, but then you want to test it and see.
0: Good. Well. That's fantastic. I think we've covered a lot of ground there. So, well, I just
1: appreciate being able to talk about it. You know, as, as we watched the world in 2024 look like something from, you know, like an Orwellian nightmare. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that we have and we're not talking about it. And I also wonder sometimes, like, is everything else happening a false flag for the autism? Because the children right now, it's like one in 20 some children will be diagnosed, you know, now. With autism, and then like Dr. Stephanie Seneff said, if we don't change course, that by 2032, which is only what eight years away, that every other child born will be diagnosed with autism in their lifetime. So, what does the future of humanity look like when every other person will not procreate? What do we look like then? How many generations does it take before we're extinct? You know, like, and again, I'm I, I'm not trying to minimize anything that's happening in the world because it's all just Unbelievably horrible. My, my my concern is that we're not talking about this as often because a lot of people will say, like, there's a big guy in, you know, the alternative realm. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I got bigger things. There's a politics, I've got an interview. And I was like, wow, we really do need to talk about this because this is this is of urgency. I also uh last year, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny said that like of the 22 children that don't get the, the autism, you know, the 20, going to get autism. But of this other remaining group of kids, she said that you're going to have about 12 of them that have lower IQs and learning disabilities. So it isn't like, oh, it's just, you know, you got the short straw or the short stick. No, most everybody's getting affected by what's happening right now. So, you know, are you willing to play Russian roulette with those six bullets or that one bullet in the six chambers? It's risky.
0: I interviewed a medical doctor who quit the NIH where he was working for many years. Wow. And he said the way he saw it in the future was that everybody will be in a hospital bed looking after the person next to them.
1: Yeah, it can be, can be clever. I mean, this is this is really serious, but as part, especially about, you know, how how, how does humanity continue if, if we're not reproducing?
0: Yes, quite. But clearly they, you know, the... They would be very happy with that situation. Well, that,
1: well, that, that's what I said. I think that this is the way we're going, and I think that this is planned because I believe that the other stuff is, you know, it's it's kind of like smoke and mirrors. Like, look over here, and you know, here we are causing this other thing that will just take, you know, humanity cannot go on if we cannot, you know. And then, of course, they, I think uh, Alex Jones last week just exposed this thing about cereal and these hormone disruptors or something where you know they actually cause infertility so there was us as kids like you know so excited we got a box of cereal thank god my mother didn't buy cereal i think it was because we didn't have the money for the cereal but you know i know cereal was like considered a kid food you know and so people were eating a lot of that stuff so they started off just with you know kid food that was you know knocking out their ability to reproduce
0: yes well on that jolly note um, <laughs> you, you must have been responsible now, I would imagine, for ten, for thousands, tens of thousands of children being, if not fixed, but remarkably better. I wonder what number of children you've actually helped in one way or another over this, these 20-odd years. It must be a huge number.
1: Well, we had at one point, there was a Facebook group. We had about 13 different groups in about... 11 different languages 12 11 12 different languages and then we had a group of moderators where there were 60 so there were a lot of children back then you know that were recovering and uh, yeah they're diagnosed with going into remission and um, I have to learn how to speak <laughs> so this is one of the things that we saw over those years and then of course now that it has gone like you know through the autism community you've be there heard about me, heard about what I do, or you know, good or bad, however you want to hear about it. But you've heard about it, which means that we succeeded in getting the message out, the word out. And of course, people with children with autism—if you choose, like you were talking about—you know—that this is a blessing, and and I couldn't be happier, and everything's great, wonderful, bless you, whatever. But there's a, those of us who are like, well, my child wasn't like this, and I want to bring them back to how they were before we had this derailment, and 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 that sort of thing. So I think that. Yeah, everyone's got their mission. But of course, so many people are coming over and looking and seeing. And of course, you know, there's been thousands of kids to go into remission. And then there's, of course, tens of thousands. And it's not now, it's not even a number that we could even perceive. Because I know in Latin America, for example, it's just gone, you know, wildfire as far as people talking about me or, or, you know, or, you know, but positive things, you know? So there's been, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundred thousand or more, you know, people to do these things and and to have really good results. But like, you know, we were talking about, will a hundred percent of the people go into remission? No, of course not. But will five, seven, 10%, you know, go into remission where the parent is really happy and the child is back to where they were before? Sure sure why not and then of course those other ones in between they're still living a better life they're sleeping through the night they're not crying you know so there's um we have to go for everybody's as highest as best that's like you know you and i i mean we're never going to be 20 again so we're going to just try to get there in is you know as best shape as we can with as much vigor and look as best we can and feel the best we can and that's what it is so there's some things that we cannot change anymore but there are some things that we can the things that we can we will
0: and People who want to learn more about your work, uh, tell Email. Tell me.
1: Yeah, my email is my name, Carrie kerry, at CarrieRivera.com. K-E-R-R-I.
0: And your book's still available?
1: My book? Well, that's a that's a long story. If anybody's interested in the book, just email me and I'll, I'll send them a link because we have my book was stolen. My um my 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 intellectual property my book was stolen, which is just the craziest thing. So anyway, wrote a new book. So we're trying to get that one up on Amazon sometime really soon. I've been working with Amazon, so.
0: Right. Well, they're the good guys, so they'll be fine.
1: Well, the problem isn't that they're good guys. The problem is they're almost a necessary evil in order for people to find the information. And I, and I mean, as much as I try to give up uh, Amazon, I, I can't. Well,
0: I mean, the, the incredible thing is that Amazon is the most fantastic public service. Uh, The problem is that it's run for profit. If it were like a public library, you know, I mean, if it just, you know, I'm sure the people who run these big organizations have made enough money, they don't need more. So things like uh, Amazon, Google and so on should be free to use. I mean, you know, it's it's a wonderful system if only it was not so profit driven. I mean, clearly the companies selling through it need to make a profit. But the company, you know, doesn't need to screw everybody.
1: Yeah. As
0: much as I I want Mr. Bezos to go into space and preferably stay there.
1: Yeah. There's always going to be a next one and next one and the next one. So.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I'm hugely confident about the future and. uh, I'm glad. Reasons why. So thank you very much indeed.
1: Thank you, Clive. I appreciate it. It's always wonderful talking to you. I enjoy it.